Welcome to The Daily Bite with your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Our reading together is from Exodus chapter 24. Then he said to Moses, Come up to Yahweh, you and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel, and worship from afar. Moses alone shall come near to Yahweh, but the others shall not come near, and the people shall not come up with him. Moses came and told the people all the words of Yahweh and all the rules. And all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words that Yahweh has spoken we will do. And Moses wrote down all the words of Yahweh. He rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain, and twelve pillars, according to the twelve tribes of Israel. And he sent young men of the people of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to Yahweh. And Moses took half of the blood and put it in the basins, and half of the blood he threw against the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, All that Yahweh has spoken we will do, and we will be obedient. Moses took the blood and threw it on the people and said, Behold, the covenant, the blood of the covenant that Yahweh has made with you in accordance with all these words. Then Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel went up, and they saw the God of Israel. There was under his feet, as it were, a pavement of sapphire stone like the very heaven for clearness. And he did not lay his hand on the chief men of the people of Israel. They beheld God, and ate and drank. Yahweh said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and wait there, that I may give you the tablets of stone, with the law and the commandment which I have written for their instruction. So Moses rose with his assistant Joshua, and Moses went up into the mountain of God. And he said to the elders, Wait here for us until we return to you. And behold, Aaron and Hur are with you. Whoever has a dispute, let him go to them. Then Moses went up on the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of Yahweh dwelt on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it for six days. And on the seventh day he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. Now the appearance of the glory of Yahweh was like a devouring fire on the top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. Moses entered the cloud and went up on the mountain, and Moses was on the mountain forty days and forty nights. This is the word of the Lord. So we have the physical appearance of Yahweh before his people here. In a limited respect, we haven't seen it entirely yet. We have Moses and some of the leaders of the Israelites going up onto the mountain to draw even nearer to God, and then eventually, finally, Moses and perhaps his assistant Joshua, going all the way up the mountain to be in the very presence of God himself. So our conversations from previous chapters about holiness, the need for sinners to be cleansed of their sin in order to come into the presence of the Lord, which Christ has done for us, those things are reflected in this chapter as well. So it starts with, God instructing Moses to come along with Aaron and Aaron's two of Aaron's sons, I should say, Nadab and Abihu, and then 70 elders of Israel there to worship Yahweh together from afar. So they're not going to actually come all the way. And this is the picture that we're going to see again happen down in verse 11. Moses alone is the one who comes near to God himself. Again, that that safety idea. The Lord is protecting 
these people, they are unclean in their sins, and he is protecting them from his holiness. Moses, in verse 3, is going to share all the words of Yahweh and all those rules from the last three chapters. It's a reference to chapters 21 through 23. And the people answer rightly. That they will do what Yahweh has given them to do. I mean, while the answer is good, unfortunately we know the result. They don't follow God's commands, they don't keep his laws, and they rebel against him over and over again. This is a covenant being made, and they're going to reject it. They're going to rebel against it. In verse 4, the altar at the foot of the mountain, Moses builds there so that they can sacrifice to the Lord. Uh, he puts up 12 pillars. 12 becomes the number of the church in the New Testament, just as much as it was the name num, sorry, the number of the 12 tribes of Israel. It's the 12 disciples or the 12 apostles when you come to the New Testament. So this number 12 in the Bible typically is the figure for the church. They offered burnt offerings and peace offerings to Yahweh on that altar, which means uh, lots of bloodshed for those offerings. Moses is going to take the, that blood, half of it he throws against the altar, which is the presence of the Lord there. The other half he's going to throw on the people. This is a covenant being made between God and his people, Israel. Covenants are cut in the Hebrew language. They're not actually made. They're cut. You have to cut. You have to shed blood to make a covenant. And then the blood has to be upon both of those parties. In typical fashion, you would walk through the blood. Here, we're going to see the, the blood sprinkled upon this large gathering of people, this large group. In future events... The blood of the sacrifice will be taken in on the Day of Atonement by the chief priest into the, the most holy place, the Holy of Holies, where the Ark is inside the tabernacle or eventually the temple. And that blood will be put on the, the Ark there. Uh, forgiveness of sins for God's people before the Lord in his, his, his own throne room. So there is a connection with that. What covenant, this is a question you can ask your kids, it's a deeper question. What covenant has God cut with you, for you? Here you want them to be making the connection to Jesus' words in the Lord's Supper. This cup is the new covenant in my blood which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Christ gave his disciples that gift nearly 2,000 years ago. And it continues to be a gift shared with his people even today. A wonderful gift that it is. When Christ dies on the cross, his blood shed for us, it pays the penalty for the broken old covenant. When a covenant is broken, blood must be shed. Christ pays that penalty for us by his bloodshed. But his bloodshed is also the start of the new covenant, a new covenant that is based in his forgiveness for us, a new covenant that's based on what he does for us, much less, much more so than what we're supposed to be doing for him. Interestingly, as that whole 
process plays out on Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday, you have the crowds of the Jewish people chanting to Pilate that they would crucify him. And eventually they accept responsibility for it. They say, may his blood be on us and on our children. And it's that great irony, not realizing just exactly what it is that they're saying and doing. The new covenant of God made with his people. And it is the blood of Christ that covers over their sins. So the people have bound themselves together with the Lord in this new covenant. And then Moses, Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and the 70 elders go back up the mountain. They see God. Now, just how close they get, we're not actually told here. Moses in the next section is going to have to go up even farther uh, the rest of the way to get to be with God in his presence. But here they do see him, and God spares them. Now, this isn't the full view of God, because we know later Moses will ask for that, and God tells him that if Moses saw him you know, basically face to face, he would die, and so Moses only gets to see God's backside. So just how much of God they see here is, is hard to say, but it is limited. And it is by that limitation that they survive this event, that they survive this meal as they eat and drink in the fellowship of God. We do that, again, pointed to the Lord's Supper today. Christ is physically and spiritually present among his people. His body is placed on your lips. His blood is placed on your lips. It's the, the beauty of the Lord's Supper given for us, that we eat and we drink the gift that Christ has given to us, his very own self. As we look at the next paragraph there, they go up. Now, does Joshua go up with him? There are some words there that make it sound like he does. Um, for example, wait here for us until we return to you. There are other words, though, like right there in verse 13, that he rose together with Joshua, but only in saying Moses went up. So it's harder to say here. Probably Joshua goes with but I'm not sure I can say that clearly from the text. So the Ten Commandments, the stone tablets, are going to be given to Moses, which he's going to break, and God will have to give him new ones. And Moses sets up Aaron and her to be the chiefs of the people during his time of absence. If anybody needs to hear from the Lord, they should go to these two men. Now, Think of that for a moment. Moses is going to be gone for those 40 days and 40 nights, and the people are going to come to Aaron, and they're going to request that he make for them an idol, a golden calf, and he's going to listen. He's going to do for them what they ask him to do, rather than being the proper judge or priest or chief for them that he should have been. We then see a theophany, the cloud covering the mountain, God's appearance before his people. Now you can picture here, you remember chapter 19's description of what it looked like as God spoke from the heavens and the thunder and lightning roared, uh, the earth, the mountain shook as this cloud covered the, the mountain. They even have it described as fire at one point, and you have that again here. The appearance of Yahweh was like a devouring fire on the top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. And then Moses walks into it. 
and then 40 days later, Moses hasn't come back yet. What would you have thought? What did they think? Uh, they, they weren't sure what had happened to the man, as we'll hear them say a few chapters from now. And so they took matters into their own hand and did so foolishly. But it's, that's a question worth putting before your children. As you picture the scene, what would you have thought happened to Moses, who at this point is their leader? What, what's happened to your leader? What's happened to the person who was caring for you and leading you through the wilderness? Most likely, you'd, you'd have thought he was gone, consumed by this fire of God. As for Moses himself, he's fine. He, he has to wait six whole days before Yahweh will speak to him. On the seventh day, God speaks. Talk about a, a requirement of patience. And also trust. Nothing mentioned here about eating during those six days or the 40 days. But he's in the presence of the Lord, and the Lord will provide. Thank you.